Hi, listener. Thank you so much for checking out Watery Desho, an anime podcast so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter at Watery Desho. We also have an inbox at waterweedesho at gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them, whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Warrior Death Show's Stream of Thought, Zaranzamai, Episode 7. I am not drunk. <laughs> That's, like, seriously, like, I know, it's a surprise. Shocker. I wasn't drunk the last time I led, I was just incredibly anxious and also a bit dim in not properly scripting myself at a time, uh, as is my, you know, want and need. But apart from, you know, my defining feature being my rampant alcoholism, I am actually Shaden, <laughs> and joining me as always from across the pond, I'm going to pass the ball over to him, insert first of many ball jokes for this particular stream, the Soul Doctor! Balls. Balls. balls, big balls. balls. Yeah. Rescue my balls into into the gungeon. Ah, uh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Do by the way check out our very first poll of the day, which is what should Enter's nickname be? Uh, I've got one for him. It's Colossal Shithead. But well, that's not <laughs> the poll answer. To be quite honest. Well, yeah. Um, like, we'll we will get there. But I, it's very understandable how anybody could come to that conclusion right now. Uh, but. <laughs> but tapping tapping head, I've got a thought on that, but we'll okay. save that for later. Um, as it turns out, folks, this has actually been quite a prodigious like, you know, turn of events that we're streaming today and not yesterday, because we weren't doing yesterday because it's Memorial Day in the US. Uh, so Doc was, of course, uh, on holiday, you know, enjoying some family time away from the collective insanity that is this podcast. Uh, so good for him. Uh, but there's a very good reason why I say that it's, uh, you know, a prodigious event that we're doing it today, because it's the 28th of May. And according to the official Zarens of my Twitter, it might not be official, I don't know, but um, today is Enter's birthday. Oh, my, my, my. Really? I shit you not. How old is it's the his... little uh, little scamp turning? Is he 16? 15? I think, I, if I had to guess it would be 16, but... Well, based on this episode, I think he's aging in reverse, given how much immature prick he looks like. <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, uh, a very happy birthday to you, Enter, you little shit. That's, I mean, that's just how it works. Like, fucking hell. Okay, so we're going to do polls very quickly, uh, which I believe that we only had one last time because I was had a brain fart of many brain All farts right. last time we tried to do Twitter on this one. Uh, <laughs> but it will pop up later, the theme of it, which I believe was the question of, was Kepi trying to trick, you know, Kazuki into giving away his Shrikadama? Uh, I yes. don't have the results to hand, but so I'm going to pass them. it over to, I'm passing the ball over again. Yep, uh, our poll was indeed, did Kepi try to trick Kazuki into giving up his Shirakodama in the two-thirds point of episode six, and 77% say yes, Kero. They do not trust the duplicitous Kappa. I mean, you know, I'm building a case file here. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it is totally a ring-bound, like, you know, work. 
full of evidence here. It's got pictures of photographs everything of Kepi doing his thing, like, you know, basically being a scheming little bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, of which we get more evidence of it in this particular episode, which leads me to make one of my, you know, crazy theories I'm often <laughs> quite fond of doing when it comes to this show. Uh, so we'll get to that soon enough. But yeah, thank you everyone who's up that poll. We will have mm-hmm. more going along uh, throughout this particular stream, uh, including one that's already up there about Enter's preferred nickname, uh, although you are right. free, of course, to submit your own in the replies. Yes, please do. So, so, okay. Episode 7, Sirens of Might, I Want to Connect, but I Want to Betray, which I think was the title of Brutus's autobiography before he stabbed Caesar in the back. A prick. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, those dance numbers apply to Shakespearean kind of <laughs> language and the setting. Just like a man in a toga doing the, like, you know poses it's it's that's fabulous i love let that. me let me let me tell you something about uh, a little show called fermi rome uh, i am probably <laughs> right yes another yeah. um noitamina jam mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. right so okay where do we begin with this episode well we begin with uh mabu's one and only appearance on the x-rated version of british bake-off as it turns out <laughs> uh, because he is in the subway making otter shaped uh Puff pastry of some description? I'm not 100% sure what it is. Uh, he's being manhandled by uh, an actual otter like demon here um, who says that some fine tuning is in order because we've already seen at this point that Mabu does indeed have a mechanical heart, uh, which will be elaborated on later. So, my guess from reading into this is that this is before they were reassigned to the human world, something we see happen later, and mm-hmm. this is part of Mabu's, like, you know, fine tuning to make sure he's still the person he was previously. Or at least that's what we think, but because the officers are duplicitous bastards. So, anyway, <clears throat> anyway, so OP, and we don't start as it turns out, you know, with um, the family of Haruka and Kazuki, as we have done often before, and indeed where you'd think we'd pick up after, you know, the previous uh, episodes' events. Uh, but rather, we start with our favorite, you know, bad boys, bad boys. What you're gonna do, uh, Rayo Mabu, enjoying a nice little breakfast here. Uh, with Azusa Sarah doing her skit, you know, on the TV. Uh, Mabu is eating a meal that I don't personally recognize because I think my diet at this point has basically consisted of KFC and maybe a Burger King if I'm feeling frisky. So, you know, point in the comments, you know, was to what exactly it was that they were eating. There. It's some Japanese meal that I'm just not familiar with personally. Oh, what did, uh, what did they say it was? Is it broccoli on uh, soba? Y- Yakisoba, like I think it was with broccoli, yeah. Uh, bleh. <laughs> Not a broccoli hey, fan. I, 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 hey, I've discovered a nice wok place in Manchester recently, so I'm starting to get back into eating noodle-based dishes because I just well noodles. Some... I'm a fan of. It's just noodles the, are the, bro- the broccoli. I could. Yeah. Oh man, broccoli. Hey, it's not. It's not, not for me. Not for me. There are many vegetables I enjoy. Broccoli, not one mm. of them. Well, I'm I'm one of those people who thinks that Brussels sprouts at Christmas are a war crime, and you know apparently that's a British tradition. So oh, no, yeah, that's yeah, a horrible, you... horrible tradition. The... Yeah, it it is. Uh, skip that, please. Anyway, back on track. So, uh, Mabu is of course eating that. He's looking rather uncomfortable while doing so. And Rayo, uh, you know, is commenting on this. Uh, apparently, this was some meal that I think Mabu might have wanted to eat a lot previously before the incident that happened. You know, in the past when they took over Cap Kingdom, which mm-hmm. resulted in uh, <clears throat> in Mabu's death, quote unquote. So Emily actually uh, wrote about this, and um, hmm. she wrote two posts for the week. 
but uh, Emily Rand, by the way, AJ the Fourth on mm. Twitter. For me Shout and full, Simba. yeah, for me and full bloom is the name of her website. If you Google that, uh, as all one character string with those spaces, you will get it. Because I can't remember if it's .com or .wordpress.com, but one of the two. Anyway, um, she talked about uh, the prequel manga and how like uh, Mabu in that would often like cook for Rio and how that was kind of a big part of their their bonding and that uh they like was out of kind of habit made like an extra portion of whatever they were eating for him even though up to that point in the show you know he couldn't he couldn't eat or the well this new this new Mabu couldn't eat um, mm-hmm. And how that was like such a strain on their relationship, and how if you read the prequel manga, like you'll see just how different Mabu is compared to how he was before, and mm-hmm. it was some interesting thoughts. But anyway, yes, uh, Rayo makes the point that everything that comes out of Mabu's mouth is a lie, and there's clearly you know a lot of resentment about this situation they're in, uh, which we will get to later once we get more information about what happened in the aftermath of the Upper Empire. But, but, they're not the only ones having breakfast, as it turns out, because the, uh, you know, Kazuki's family, uh, Haruka included, they're having a nice morning breakfast, everything seems pretty much back to normal. So happy! Yeah, Yay. good for them. Good for them. I'm going to make a point about that later, so just put a pin in this whole thing for it. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, pin, yep, nicely done, Doc. So, uh, Haruka and Kazuki actually go out to uh, the usual spot where Haruka was sitting on that wall, you know, violating all the OSHA compliance rules that there are about there. So, poor kid. But, that being said, if you hadn't seen the rest of the show until this point, you'd think they were pretty close to each other. And truth be told, they are now, because they've now fixed their, you know, little uh, impasse that they were at previously. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very sweet scene, actually, you know. It gives gives Haruka a head pat, which I thought was really cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and on top, and on top of that, um, Kazuki actually gives the scent pouch. I think uh, back to Haruka after Haruka tries to give it to him, saying, "No, you hold on to it. I'm not worried about my real mother, wherever she may be. Uh, you, uh, mum and dad, as in you know Haruka's mum and dad, but his as well now, as far as he's labeling them is concerned. They're the people I want to forge real connections with. Uh, and you know what? Good. Interesting word choice." Mm-hmm. Very, very on the nose with the language here, yeah, um, using connection specifically as that. Mm. But it's spray break! No, summer break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get bored of making that joke, even though it's a tradition I will never partake in living in the UK, where the idea of having, say, a spring or summer break at, say, Blackpool Pleasure Beach, a place I've mentioned to you before, oh, woofed. Yeah. If you happen to be British and have ever visited Blackpool, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, and I'm sorry to people who live there. I mean, I, I'm, I joke, but it's like, you know, some run downtown, it's deprived and all that, and I shouldn't really make you lie of it. But anyway, uh, it turns out that Enter's sister is wearing a giant watermelon donut. May I t- have I ever told you about uh, the... So the, the college I went to for undergrad was pretty small and pretty sort of, like, white, conservative Christian. Um but there was uh, have I ever told you about the the one and only uh one Albanian fellow that I met there called Habib mm-hmm. have I ever told you about this person uh does it does it ring a bell, ring so, a bell? Uh... okay so you just so you mentioned spring break and like I think <laughs> I think Habib 
like had this idea that no matter where you were in America, spring break, like the debauchery would just come to you, materialize out of the ground. Like that bikini clad women would like rise up from the ground and like the stage <laughs> with DJ playing on it would again, just materialize into being wherever you were and people would just party. Like he just had this idea about spring. He was just very obsessed with like working out for spring break. He was kind of a meathead, but like I always just, he would talk about spring break for months. He was very disappointed about what spring break in uh, conservative Christian college was was like. It was oh, not, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was not, <laughs> not to his liking. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to you, B, for keeping the dream alive. Uh, dream though it were. Anyway. So, yes, indeed, it is, you know, uh, spring, summer break here, you know. Uh, we cut to uh, Kazuki and Ensa, you know, at the soccer place they have by the riverside. Uh, they're practicing. Kazuki's going to go back to the soccer club. And then they catch Toy walking across the bridge above them. Uh, very ha- convenient, by the way, that the soccer place was on the left-hand side and not the right of the bridge, because obviously Toy doesn't look out of his eye on that side, so yeah. they never would have seen him otherwise. <laughs> um, but they call him down to come play with them. Um I want to give props, by the way, to the previous episode for actually setting up something here. Uh, it turns out that Toy is actually pretty decent at soccer or football if you live in the UK and you know you have the superior or, brand of English as opposed to the crappy American variety. Or yeah, anywhere else in the world besides like America and Australia. I think we're the places that call it soccer. Mm-hmm. Maybe Japan? Maybe I think I'm Japan go, maybe yeah. too. To be, yeah, that's true. Although maybe they need a Brit on the Crunchyroll, uh, you know, uh, translation staff. <laughs> Just right. saying, you can hire me if you want. I don't know anything about Japanese, but I do know how to put the word proletariat in there. If I don't, I don't you know, a drop of a hat. Just throwing that out. Just saying. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, they comment on how good he is at football. Uh, this was actually set up in the previous episode, because you'll recall that Tai was the very first one to actually kick the ball up to uh, Entu, then kicked up to Kazuki as a kappa. And you could have written that off initially as like, you know, oh, he's a capper, he can do all this sorts of crazy stuff, including imitating 90s action movies with that slide to catch the uh, the lift and the door in front of it. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's been established. And indeed, he is quite good at it, as it turns out in this scene here. Um, so he says, you know, join the soccer club, and it turns out he accepts. So we've got kind of a new status quo forming here, where things are getting to like a state of excuse me, a state of normality. Like, Toy, a kid who basically had, after a certain point, stopped being a kid and had to grow up way mm-hmm. earlier than he Too should fast. have done. Uh, in fact, I won't even call it growing up so much as going through an experience that no one really should have to go through. You know, him joining the soccer club and doing that feels like, you know, him doing something normal. Like, you know, that normality that I've spoken of before that isn't, say, like, you know, about being boring or average. Right. But just the idea, you know, of living a regular life without all this sort of like chaos and awfulness mm-hmm. that's coming into it. I was surprised he's, he like accepted. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, were you surprised by that? I thought he would try to get out of it and they'd have to convince him. Um, I he was into I, it. I don't know. I think, I think he's turned to corner a little bit. Um, although it's like one of those days of your life things, you know, where if he seems to be going really sweet, everything's great. And you're just like, I'm waiting for it. I'm yeah, waiting. Where's the knife in the back? Where's the well, soda can in the back? <laughs> well, well, 
We'll get to you, Garbage Pail Kid. Don't you worry. You're going to get your moment, son, unfortunately, because sunlight is the best. The sunlight is the best disinfectant, as it turns mm. out. Uh, but meanwhile, we cut to Otacop HQ, where they're unveiling the latest in, you know, CSI technology, uh, which is Rayo uh, turning his pin, his pin board into <laughs> an interactive map. Uh, and I always love shit like this. I mean, so I, I go on like about PowerPoints in like banana fish and stuff yes. like that. Uh, and he turns it into this map here. Um, but while this map is going out, we get, of course, one of the show's flashbacks. Uh, in which uh, this is immediately following the aftermath of the invasion of the Kappa Empire, in which Rayo wakes up, he's been on IVs, uh, he's asked how he feels, you know, by the uh, wonderful, uh, you know, Monokuma's uncle, the uh, otter, the chief scientific otter guy, uh, getting in all the otter puns as well, which is even better. So ask him how he feels. Uh, <laughs> turns out Mabu is dead, in a coma. Uh, how you want to, you know role with this is up for debate yeah um but but uh he is you know rayo says like you know what what do i have to do and the goth says look you can you can save him if you want it's fine or you can stop his heart anytime you like it's up to you to decide grim yeah do you want to lay in god you want to keep him so yeah, uh, Emily, uh, shout out to you again, Emily, has said a, a lot of times like you know, that she had a very strong fear of what was going to happen or what has happened to uh, her two you know, lads, her two boys. And as it goes, this is like a Matryoshka doll of awfulness. Every single time we find out something new, it just makes me feel worse for them, even though they are ostensibly the villains, especially uh, Rayo, given his you know, kidnapping Haruka, which I think is like you know, forbidden under the UN convention. What a prick. Yep, yep. Uh, so, uh, something to note after this flashback concludes is we, of course, go back to the map. But before that, Rayo makes specific mention of if I have the dishes. That will be important for later, so put a pin in that again. Uh, so he uses his, you know, own otter version of Google Maps uh, to <laughs> determine through a combination of both the zombies and I believe the desires that were uh, pry out there um, based on logos... He traces it to an origin point in the center of Akusaza, if I mispronounce that, I apologize, uh, which is where he believes Kepi is, because he's, of course, looking out for him. So, they figure that out. And, <laughs> Kepi, this episode. Yeah. Kepi, this episode, <laughs> like... It's great. I, I've, not, I've, not seen, I've not seen a character like him since I watched Looney Tunes back in the day. Like, he would literally be a great counterpart to Bugs Bunny with some of the crap pulls. Uh, anyway... Uh, so, regrettably, however, it is garbage day at the um, at the you know the football place. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> someone has paid. Someone has painted the town red and completely wrecked it with boxes, cans, you name it. Uh, all the kids, by the way, are wearing new clothes. Some something to know they're all more casual now. They're like a bit more relaxed. Uh, but they decide, you know what? Let's have a montage because we're going to go <laughs> clean it up. It was so good too, so wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just had to say, like, I wish there were only there were two more characters because then they could literally be the planeteers with these, you know, cleanup that they're doing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, shouts to Doctor K, by the way, the uh, Doctor Kappa. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? Again, one, you know, I love Japanese fiction where they utilize Doctor Pepper in, in shows like. Ah, you know, everything's going great. Nothing could possibly go, oh shit, then it all just completely went to pot. See, I'm seeing you there, Steinsgate. I know what you're at. 
Uh, but yeah, they do manage to clean up the football spot. You know, all is well for moments. Uh, Marbu is talking with the evil, omniscient Otter voice, uh, saying something about the system being at 39%. What that is, we don't know yet, but we'll certainly find out soon. Uh, prove very, your loyalty dis very distrustful, yeah. by the way. Like, mm. the, the big Otter supercomputer uh, mm -hmm. and or shadow monster guy. It's very much mm. like the first thing they say, I feel like lately it's been like, you're lying. <laughs> it just doesn't believe <laughs> them a lot. So, like, and, and saying that to Marbu, who is a mechanical creature at this point, basically, is even more damning. Yeah. Why would that uh, thing lie? Why would that guy lie? I don't even know. Don't even know. Uh, so, Kazuki's walking through town. You, he notes he's no longer carrying the box. He's no longer concerned with Azusa Sarah or doing this whole thing. He's basically back to being a regular kid. Which is good. And then as soon as Sarah unveils the uh, lucky selfie of the day, which balls, balls, big balls, big round balls. Now, I have the mentality of a child when it comes to this sort of humor. So obviously I'm just here having a good chuckle to myself and I'm thinking, oh, Sarah's a my, you bring out, you know, the idiot in me. Um, yeah. But then I, of course, what happens later just completely blew my brains. I was like, Jesus Christ, Ikahara. Like, I thought I was going too far by making a balls joke, but hey, here we go. Bust some balls. We'll get we'll get to that in a moment. Um so yeah, uh they they get back, like I think they're cleaning the place again. Uh Toy, however, gets a phone call from his brother. Uh we don't hear this conversation in full. Uh we may get it potentially in a later episode. Uh, but it turns out everything's gone to rat ship. Uh his brother has been betrayed by his gang members, Shark Horror. I mean, who could possibly see that coming? Uh, and now they're wanted men, uh, both of them. So they have to leave town. Uh, and that's going to be the end of that. Uh, however, Kazuki has a plan. Kazuki says, this is a hope. We've got four of them at the moment. We need one more and we can source it for you. And Toy is all very, you know, like taken aback by this gesture. Mm -hmm. um, but they agree that's what they're going to do. They're going to get one more. They're going to go see Kepi get the next silver dish, and then, you know, set things right for him. Uh, this is followed up by a conversation between Enter and Toy outside what is the Japanese whip of a 7-Eleven uh, as they're grabbing water for Kepi. Uh, in which Enter basically says, look, I want to fulfill Kazuki's wishes. That's fine. That's good. I want to do that. And his wish right now is to sort you out, you know, to help you out. So I'm going to do it. Um, and they have, like, some nice little teasing together. In the end, it's like, you know... Daisy lies. Everyone's great. Everyone's happy with each other. Everyone's got a plan. Um, at this point, if I recall correctly, this is when uh, we just get the like the massive car crash into the uh, scene of something that I did not expect to see. Uh, like, or was going to, you know, have some build up to this. Fucking Azusa Sarah is carrying Kepi round town. I was just like. What? Where, where did this come from? What? <laughs> like, I applaud the audacity, or dare I say, the balls of this show. Uh -huh. Hey! Uh, hey, just to have that happen out of nowhere, like, I thought that was going to be a tentpole moment uh -huh. for this show where the two met and kept people like, oh my, what's a fair minute? Yeah, yeah, like they didn't yeah. know about each other, but, but clearly. But no, uh, they, are, they are a couple. Uh, apparently Azusa Sarah is very impressed with Kepi performing, you know, minor acts of vandalism by putting stickers on things. 
Uh, clearly, I've got the wrong, you know, dating or, you know, hooking up technique, if that's the case. Uh, but yes, indeed, they are a couple, um, apparently. Uh, so while they're talking about that, then we start hearing the Otter Dance song coming in, you know, which means that there is a new Otter Zombie coming in. Uh, and this Otter Zombie... Oh. Which we don't learn about beforehand this week. No, there, there is no, uh, you know... We've totally found a murder. You know, right. a, a guy's been murdered who's some like strange person. Like, there's none of that. Here's it's a picture happy. of him with a piece of paper over his face. <laughs> that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Last seen as last seen as a mascot at a local stadium. I suspect. Probably. <laughs> Pro- probably. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Um, so this otter zombie is a giant football head uh, with a ball gag. Uh, and two mm-hmm. like heels on its side in the same position as my headphones, basically. Uh, and I just thought, I, I want to like. Here's the thing, right? If I ever meet Ikahara, I just want to ask him in a polite and genuinely interested way, like, what does he see? Where does he learn about this stuff? <laughs> like, is this a cool fiction reference? Like, I made the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen one earlier in this series running. Now we've got the looks like. Moment. So, I don't know. I'm. I mean, honestly, like, what what else could the show do as far as its zombies are concerned? I mean, we've had the foot fetish, we've had the bath war, we've had the ball gag. Answers on the postcard, folks. Because I'm sure it's shit out of ideas. Well, there are myriad fetishes in the world, Shadon. This is uh, what we'll let's learn. Zip. Uh, that I know of more than I would like to talk about, to be quite honest, thanks to some, uh, you know, stuff I've watched on video reviews, where it's like, oh yeah, let's talk about this for five minutes. I'm like, okay, thanks for that. I'd really like to know. Anyway. <clears throat> so, uh, yes, this otter zombie appears, and our heroes uh, go to see Kepi. By coincidence, you know, he ain't there. Uh, Kepi then turns up four-legged headcrab style, like he's from Half-Life just walking across the floor. Like, you know, going, ah, we're a couple, lovely couple. And I honestly, the first thing that popped into my head was the famous line from uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is, you gotta be fucking kidding. Because that's what he was like. <laughs> he was just... I don't even know what to make of it, but at least Kepi at this point. The man is his own rule book, you know, he doesn't give a shit. Um... But he immediately senses that something's off uh, about his location, that something, you know, where he stays and that something's been done. Uh, and it turns out the dishes of hope, which were being stored underneath the pavement uh, there, are all gone. No dishu. They voted. Nope. He voted no dishu. He's the one. Yep. yep. They're gone. They're just gone. And obviously, you know, that then begs the question of who might have stolen them, but. We'll get to that later because we have speculation time about that. For the yeah. moment, though, uh, as it's because the um, the otter zombie is the kappa zombie has now appeared, the ball zombie. Uh, everyone's soccer balls start disappearing, leaving only Enter's blue balls there. I'm afraid that they are all that remains. Sorry. Boom! <laughs> I enjoyed that one. That was a good one. That, yeah, they're the only ones that didn't float away, unfortunately. Uh, but yes, um, they. Because of a comment that Enter makes, uh, calling Kepi a frog by accident, Kepi turns him into a kappa first. And it's been established at this point that the person who gets turned into a kappa first... Spider Kepi! Be... <laughs> yep. 
Lindsay's right. Spider cat pee. Spider cat pee. <laughs> it is uh, very haunting. I have to say, it was it was unsettling to be sure. <laughs> mm. So, Cappy uh, turns enter first into a capper, and as we've established, the person who gets turned into it first. Uh, you know, leads the way with the song and dance, and ultimately, and Prince, and importantly, again, put in this is the one who will end up leaking a secret out once they actually defeat the uh, our, our zombie. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Japanese for soccer ball was established during the mid, uh, like the uh, interstitial bit before the White Zoomers commercials, if it was on TV, uh, is Kama. Is that right? Say again. The word Japanese word for ball or soccer ball is Kama. Uh- I heard I I heard Tama, but it could be, it could be Kama. Okay, I'm I'm like hearing, so, but but I've heard. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time I'd be mistaken about those two consonants in a Japanese word. Like you know, whenever the otters sing their song, and I think it's um, uh, Kama Soya or something like that. I always hear Tom Soya. It's just it's just product <laughs> placement for Soya. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I agree. There you oh. go. Uh, so the reason I bring this up is because the Kappa zombie attacks them and says, like, Kama, Kama, Kama. And I was like, is that a motherfucking JoJo's reference? Uh, really? It really was. <laughs> it really was. Uh, so they, of course, defeat the Kappa zombie. Uh, and Enter is the one who now has the leak happen where he has to let a secret out. Things are slightly different, though, because the music is different this time around. But what's the big secret this time? You know, we figured that they can't possibly leak anything more out here. But no. Turns out Enter's a garbage boy, and when I say he's a garbage boy, it's because he's the one who's been wrecking the soccer area. Uh, For some reason, he's also wearing, like, this weird mask, and he's creeping around with his evil, shit-eating grin. Uh, That will be important for a minute, in a minute, by the way, so put that in the back of your heads. But not only that, not only that, it's also him who stole the dishes of hope, apparently. It be... Mm-hmm. Why did you do it? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I know why, but why? <laughs> right? Uh, <sighs> man, fuck. This fucking shocked me. I did not see it coming. This reveal. I was blown away by mm-hmm. it, but I have a, I have a thought about it. So that's when it cuts to credits. But as Saren Samayas wants to do, we do have a post credit scene. Uh, and this is where uh, Rayo meets Marbu for the first time after uh, the heart transplant. Um. And it's clear, you know, that he's very dissatisfied with all this, that he's not the same person. He's just a facsimile, basically. Um, and that's when they're going to be sent, you know, to the human world to go and get things away. Um, I think that covers everything from the final scene. I think that that's right. Yeah, I'm just double checking because I don't want to miss anything. Uh, the, the chief officer, by the way, uh, he's, you know, saying, you got, yeah, I love word. the puns, by the <laughs> It, it, it works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the dark, the darkness is there as well in the Kappa Kingdom inside what looks like a giant beer can. Do you mean the um, 80s cover band? <laughs> the darkness? <laughs> I was thinking more the darkness from the fifth element. That's what it looks like to me. I haven't seen the fifth element. I know. I know. I know. All right. Okay. Hey, okay. at least I, I watched the two newest, like, numbered Star Wars movies. This like last week, so I've seen. I, I'm up on contemporary culture, and science fictions. I know the important ones. 
of our time. I rewatched the drink. I rewatched I knew I wasn't going to drink tonight, but well, I, you know, sometimes situations change as it happens. Mm. So yeah, that's episode seven. I want to connect, but I want to betray. Uh, happy birthday to you, Frick. Uh, or is or 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 is he? Is now the time for us to do talking points? Because I'm going to get into my crazy theory. Into the gun. Ah, <sighs> mm. well. Well, 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 mate. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Tracer. <laughs> so, what did you think, like, of you know, we alluded to this already, but when Kazuki said, like, Haru, you can keep the bag because I'm gonna focus on forging real connections and that was really interesting like the adjective mm-hmm. there is interesting real you know i guess as opposed to as opposed to what like the connection he had through the messenger yeah. app i would say so yeah Which, I, to actually to just be himself i guess you guys like the fake part of that is well i hate to say fake because like you say simulated experiences can still re- lead to like real yeah, emotional emotional growth and stuff um the reality versus unreality is not talking versus text message it's more like i'm just being myself i'm not lying being me yeah, yeah. so it's not like a i was wondering if it was going to end up being th- this kind of and the show in general would kind of end up being like a critique of really immediate technological connections like anonymous connections um yeah but it hasn't really it hasn't gone there so much like yeah i think i agree with you that this is more about um like i i'm gonna be vulnerable and and be myself and let go of resentment and try to like forge bonds Mm. with people and he like touched haruka for the first time that i remember in the present like timeline not in flashbacks it's like so good. <laughs> I loved that. It was really, it was really sweet. I will admit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is the thing, like about this moment that Kazuki seems to genuinely want to do this. There's an authentic feel to it. It feels heartfelt. Um, and I think this just like continues the idea that I've thought of with Saradzabai, which is that it's about going beyond superficial levels of connection, which is you know through materialistic things or just basic gestures like Yuzu's Sarah selfies and such. Because after all. One thing we've now established throughout this show's run is that all of Asusa Sarah's uh, selfies lead to the Kappa zombies coming into existence in the first place, but they are distinctly desire-based as opposed to the love that was, you know, mm-hmm. on the box for Haruka. And they are clearly, of course, seen as insufficient. Now, uh, Emily, Gogo Atomic Robot, uh, points out in chat uh, that this is not necessarily an indictment or, you know, a damnation of the people who have been the victims of this. They have their, you know, incredibly weird and quirky fetishes, to be sure, and some of them have indeed gone a bit beyond the realms of actual law, like the guy stealing Bathwater. That is... Yeah. But the guy in the latest one, whoever he may be, uh, we'll we'll call him Soccer Jim, uh, for the sake of it. Uh, Soccer Jim. (laughs) Soccer Jim. Like, he just has the specific sexual fetish of, like, you know, wanting to be kicked by his girlfriend, and Mm -hmm. indeed that's the image we get. 
Now, here's the thing, right? I am of the opinion that you can do what the hell you like with your partner as long as you agree, you know, you're expert with it, keep it safe, keep it, you know, mm-hmm. look after each other. That's fine. Go absolutely nuts. You do what the fuck you want as long as you know you look out for each other when doing so and you have an equitable understanding of it. Banana bread. That's the safe word between you and I. Just want everyone else to know. Just being transparent I'll... here. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very kindly, Fadok. So, yeah, like, this guy, like, you know, he wasn't doing anything wrong by doing that. So I don't think Saren's mind is necessarily dunking on these people entirely. But I think it's trying to put the argument forward that there is a little bit of value, you know, to these kind of, sen- like, you know, very surface-level things. But they are insufficient or, at best, complementary to a genuine informed relationship. Hmm. That's the, inter- that's the mm-hmm. idea I get. Um, so it's now the time for my crazy theory. Okay. All right. I'm going to come out and say it. I don't think Enter did it. You're going to have to walk me through this one. <laughs> okay. So first point, as I, as I said, point of opinion before, who was on the lookout for where Kepi is and asking about the dishes of hope at the midpoint of the episode and used his own version of Google maps to find it. I can't remember who was that actually. That would be well, that. That would be Rayo. Okay, which is who I thought and who Kepi threw out there as a suspect. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, right. Okay, next next question for you. I want you, Doc, to just pick a very innocuous memory from your from your your life, anything at all. Right? When you have a when you remember something, how do you remember it? You always remember it from the first person because you can only go by your eyes and ears. All of the leaks we've had thus far, though, have been from a third-person perspective, the kind of omniscient mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. So they can't necessarily be Enter's memories or anyone else's memories for that matter. So how are they getting these, you know, visions, shall we say? What's the conduit? That would be Kepi. And Kepi, as we've established is, you know, a bit of a duplicitous little shit at the best of times. Uh, so, there's that. I'm thinking that because Ensa dropped that, you know, frog comment on him, he's getting a little bit of, you know, revenge and telling them, a, or presenting to them a falsehood. Bear in mind why Ensa looks like a cartoon character in this scene. That struck me as very strange that he looks like that. Because we saw the actual genuine one of him, you know, blowing Kazaki's wind, wind whistle, <laughs> you know, in the previous uh, one of the previous episodes, and he wasn't I'm doing just trying it like... to warp. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't like you know, uh, doing that crazy face about. It was very matter of fact. It was <clears> very embarrassing. So. And there's the practical thing of how the hell does he carry all that garbage all over there. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. You could either it's either Rayo's stolen them or Kepi's just flat out vanished them because he's getting tired of their shit. I just uh, want to hang out with my girl. Hell, that's a fall. Why does why is Kepi never brought before like the fact that Kazuki cosplays as Azusa Sarah? You'd think he might have a bit of a bone to It's pick very about. interesting. But I mean I guess yeah. I did they just well Maybe they just got together. Mm. They are just showing it just now, but I mean that's neither here nor there. I mean that that yeah. could mean nothing or mean everything. Who mm. knows? So 
It is a crazy theory, and it could very well be that Enter actually did do it, because as you've established, there are there is a genuine reason that we can infer, which is that it turns out that Toy and Kazuki are getting along quite well with each other, perhaps a bit too well, as far as Enter's concerned. He's yeah. a covetous guy. Um, so that's understandable. Like the motive the motive is there. Um, but I, for me, like I'm fascinated by the fact that you, this show, like you know, it distinguishes between the leaks and the flashbacks, because um, both of them technically serve the same function of seeing an event in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flashbacks are not through the lens of the of the Saren Zamai and the Shri Kadama. They are just a narrated tool, separate, functioning as part of the actual work rather than being a diegetic thing in there. Right. So I'm thinking to myself that there's maybe, you know, not necessarily an entirely 100% credible, you know, we can't wholly believe in the leaks necessarily, and that they could mm. be influenced by an outside force. Potentially. Could be, again, yeah. crazy fear, it could be Enter did it, and if Enter did do it, that, from a narrative standpoint, is still fine, because it makes perfect oh, yeah. sense to do it, and that will make for good drama. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. But there, I there's my crazy the, theory, though. Mm, I want to slurp up the drama. <laughs> Give it to me. Delicious relationship drama. Are you going to turn into a Kappa zombie and yours is going to be balls of soup? Probably. Mm. Um, from the te- <sighs> the tears of anime boys. Uh, <laughs> so, like, w- how did Inter react? Like, I remember him saying, because I, if, I guess it, I'm wanting to see if anything that he said would indicate that he was innocent. You know what I mean? Him protesting mm. and not saying, no, don't show this because it's He did true. say that, to be fair. But what did he say? I mean, I remember him saying no. It's about, it was about that. Um, so there is that, which does pull a little bit of hoard. Um I suppose my counter-argument to that would be that, again, the same thing is that maybe that, that's not into saying you know, he's being forced to say it because of the whole sounds of my process that Cappy is ultimately in control of. Well, if it's just yeah, if it's just no, that doesn't um, that could, could that could yeah. support both readings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was wondering if he says something that you could specifically. Yeah, I didn't remember the rest of his lines. You know, so I'll have mm-hmm. to go back and look at that. That's an interesting theory. We'll see. So a lot of times you come up with these theories, and we have to wait till the end. We'll, we'll see, see next week <laughs> whether or not this is right. So I'm excited. Uh, stay tuned, loyal listeners and viewers. <laughs> um, but yeah, like. I've always found that like this this shows like you know way it uses perspective and all that. Like again, we've got distinction between flashbacks and the leaks. Uh, flashbacks are kind of a willing uh, giving away of, of past info from characters, even mm-hmm. if you know they're not explicitly giving it to us. Or in a lot. So we'll see. We'll see. So Trickster in chat is asking you, what will be the narrative purpose of Inta not having done it? He feels like that this is the natural wrapping up of Inta's arc, um, where he finally stands up to Kazuki and says, like, here's my wants and needs. Stop ignoring me. He could still very do that, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe this could force that out of him. Mm-hmm. And this is just, you know, the catalyst that makes that happen. Um, but I think there's certainly enough evidence, of, of a reasonable amount of evidence to suggest this is the case. After all, take Enter's words throughout the thing. Like, is he is he definitely lying? We don't see any of his fantasies this time around, That's so right. we don't we don't get the inner in the window here. 
but he, he does seem to genuinely want to help Kazuki, and by doing so, sorry, does that. And there's no like you know body language to me that suggests like you know that he's against that. Whereas the show has been very good at you know getting its subtleties out there, you know, to foreshadow and give us you know insight into the characters' behaviors. So, narratively speaking, to answer your question, Trickster, you could still have that happen. You know, we'll see. The char- get, yeah. Okay. Well, what would be because? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because here's the thing, right? Um, even if Enter didn't do it, for the time being, for the time being, they will believe that he did. And in terms of, like, you know, working from a narrative with that, that serves basically the same function as if he actually did do it. It's immaterial, like, whether he did it or not, insofar as getting the drama out there. Because they will still believe it to be true. And that will force, you know, conflicts as a result. So it can still work. Um, but there is certainly evidence, as we've seen from both Kepi's duplicity and the fact that Rayo is now, you know, homing in on them, that they could very he could very well have stolen the dishes. Because he certainly has his own motivation for getting the dishes back, which is probably to, you know, bring Marbu back to his original self. Okay, yeah. Maybe, for my part, I hope Inta did do it, read the soccer field, um, just because it's such a bold, like I said, I want the drama, but it's, I feel like it's such a bold story choice. And mm. I want to see the conf- the character conflict that would fo- result in it. I agree. Regarding the dishes, like, I'm less... Like, I, it, I'll be totally fine if Inta's like, I did trash the soccer spot, but I didn't take the dishes. You know what I mean? Ah, hello. That There's part. a thought. That part. There's a thought. Yeah, maybe Rio did that, or maybe Kepi did that. You know, who can... Who can say? But. Indeed. Um, so yeah, there's my crazy theory of the week, folks. Uh, you know, still, still putting, still baiting the farm on the fact the show disappears after you watch the final episode because it just gets erased from history. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> question: Did you, did you feel? Mm, I guess this isn't really much of a question because I think I felt more disappointed at the inter reveal than just about anything it was so shocking but i guess the second place um in the emotional cart race mm-hmm. i can't think of like what are words the, the second most overriding thing that i came away with feeling was like um uh, i just felt so bad for toy like you know like you said he made uh he made like a choice for himself that was very much like, I'm going to put me first, and yeah. I'm going to do something fun and quote-unquote normal. Something without all the chaos. And then he just gets pulled right back in to the fucking you know, life of crime. It hurt you, me. You know what the funny thing is now that you mentioned that? If Enter did do it, he didn't need to. Because Ty's leaving anyway, completely independently of his actions. Nice one, Enter. You fucked up in a way that also completely made your actions pointless. Like, I would hate you if you did do it, but at least understand it if you got something out of it by driving a wedge between the two of them. You didn't even need to fucking do it. No, you didn't. 10 out of 10. And like... I think Roby popped your balloon, by the way. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Man. And like the look on Toy's face when 
Kazuki talked about giving him the dishes, like, melted my heart. Like, just the drawing and, like, this kind of mm. ch- changes in his face and the softening of it. God, it was so fucking beautiful, man. Like, he... Mm. People were doing selfless things for him, like, for once, and being kind to him, and it was so fucking good, and then it had to get, like, erased. It it made me so bad. Like, if, again, if not for the, like, into shock at the end, like, my the lead story for me here would be, like, pissed for Toy. So mm-hmm. pissed for Toy. Like, mm. fucking... The criminals, man. They're ruining lives. <laughs> Goddamn seagulls, honestly. <laughs> okay. I mean, I have to say, like, you know, the seagull gang, like, guys... Oh, that's right. Just, not, the seagull could, could you could you, not pick, could, could you not pick something better than seagulls? Common vermin? Really? Come on. Get some I'm fucking tigers on your back, some shit. This ain't difficult. Oh no, the seagulls are attacking. What will we do? Poll three. Is the seagulls the worst Yakuza gang name ever? The only the only gang that's worse than that is the orphans from the Warriors, because they're the most pathetic bunch of nitwits you ever see. Uh the, yeah, that's pretty bad. Thanks, poor guys. The orphans. What is the do they have? So the warriors, the I also haven't seen red the warriors. Jackets. So like, they're they they're the all jackets. themed gangs. Is that the idea? Yeah. That's the idea, right? The, the warriors, the rogues, the baseball furies. Uh, you also had uh, the lizzies as well. So yeah, yeah. So they were, but the orphans were just the most pathetic bunch of the lot by far. I mean, that's all real right. bad. Okay. So next talking point then. Um, oh let's wait, talk. you did oh, your you did. Oh wait, no, it is your turn. I'm sorry, I fucked up. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the. Again, this is kind of a criticism I've got going on with Sarans and I as we go along, and I'm hoping that it does get resolved. Kazuki talks like you know a, a big game about how he's going to you know have a proper connection with uh, Haruka and. Haruka's mother and father. And with Haruka, I believe in. I And when I say I don't believe in when it comes to his parents, quote-unquote, that's not me saying I don't believe he means it, but I don't believe the show is going to give time to it, which I feel is kind mm. of a weakness in it. Because here's the thing, right? I said in the previous episode that we covered that I wanted to see like the follow-up discussion between Haruka and Kazuki about what he was doing by, you know, dressing up and pretending to be Azusa Sarah. That ostensibly, or that's, I don't think has happened. No. If it has happened, it's happened off screen because things are back to normal. I mean, if you took these scenes out of context, I'd think that they would, nothing had ever happened. Now, I'm going to open this up to the floor here to, the, to our uh, audience. I want to ask you all a question. Are you happy with the show as presented in that it doesn't go into detail, you know, on this conversation between at least Kazuki and Haruka explaining what's happened? Or or would you prefer it didn't? Uh, it did, rather, you know, that there was that scene where we got to have them talk it out in whatever way that they are equipped to do so, given how young they are. 
Now, I'm going to offer you an interesting point here because I was recently reading a curious cat response by uh, Nick Prima, a.k.a. Bobda. And this was about uh, character development. And Nick's um, point was that, you know, we focus perhaps a bit too much as critics on the idea of a very structured and very understandable and, and passable, you know, character growth. Like, here's the point where they start. Here's the point where they end. Do, 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 do as the like the stepping stones in between. I mean, you've heard me, for example, make the mild complaint about the Persona series' use of social links as, like, you know, your 10-step plan to character mm -hmm. growth. Right. But Nick's point was that it's not as simple as that. People don't necessarily grow in a linear arc. Um, they, you know, sometimes will dodge difficult situations or just let things lie or not talk about them in great depth when it might potentially be better that they did um because that's something we naturally like we, we you know a lot of people are complex averse i certainly am so thinking about like in that way if, uh, having read nick's post it kind of made me realize maybe it's actually not such a bad thing that that scene doesn't happen because you know if i were in say kazuki's shoes or even haruka's as that their respective agent would I be equipped to have such a conversation? Would I want to have such a conversation? Mm -hmm. That's the question. But then again, you could also make the argument that, you know, if Kazuki really does want to make a deep and meaningful connection with people, he needs to talk the talk by having that talk. So I'm open to, you know, people talk about this, because I want to, you know, I... I mean, I still think the issue with the parents is kind of a problematic one because they've been barely a presence in the show thus far. I think Nantaro has probably had more time on the screen <laughs> than they have. Probably. I'm not joking. You're right. Uh, so I think that, you know, making time to mention, like, you know, about them, I can understand why it's there because obviously, you know, like, if you just said, I just want to watch a connection with you, Haruka, like, then Haruka would probably go, wait, what about Mundan? He goes, who? Oh, I don't know, yeah. But this also makes me think that you might potentially be able to drop Kazuki's actual lore completely out of the show with little consequence. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, maybe that could be more fleshed out? I don't know. What's your feeling on that, Doc? Do you think that, you know, that should be more fleshed out? And do you think that, uh, or do you, do you disagree with me that, you know, maybe they should have had that talk on? What's your feeling? Um, well, I think that the runtime of the show is the first obstacle to this because mm -hmm. you know there's so many characters that need <clears throat> excuse me that needs like further development kind of need mm -hmm. to we need to find out some key things about them their arcs need to be completed all that stuff mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i don't know if it will be like the wisest use of time to focus on that part like maybe if the show was longer or if there were fewer characters but putting aside all those um, sort of practical constraints, um, I don't think it is a problem that it hasn't happened yet. I think it is um, very believable that, you know, Kazuki has been gone, essentially, like, just gone away. In, like, he's been on this island for so long that, like, just to have him back in their life for a while and to make that normal again and to show him that they still 
love and accept him and that they kind of forgive him for just, you know, piecing out is the the fact that you'd want to establish that kind of loving foundation first before asking questions from the parents' point of view. But you're talking about from Kazuki's point of view, right? Um mm. When should he? When should he make the first step in in apologizing to the parents and everything? I mean, maybe he's just waiting for the right time. Mm. That seems like a very uh, uh, kind of how do I say this? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like he might be waiting for the right time uh, to do it. So I don't think it's a problem that he hasn't done it um, immediately. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that happens when we do stream of thought because we're obviously covering a show that is in progress and there is still time for these things to be covered. I just I just ask us from the perspective of a writer, like if he wants to, you know, have these deep and meaningful connections with uh, Haruka's parents and his own parents, so to speak, uh, they can't really leave that hanging. They need to be more involved in the plot than they have otherwise been. They'd be very peripheral. Um, yeah. Because again, I just ask them, like, why bring it up all? I, I only bring this up as a point because I just do want to see it brought to bear, but I also do want to, you know, consider, hey, you know, maybe it has happened and it's not relevant because that's, you know, how things go. I mean, I wouldn't even begin to fathom if I were a father how I would have a conversation about, you know, uh, like, if I was, you know, if I had a son who had done what Kazuki had done, how on earth would I go about talking about that? I ain't got the first clue. I mean, you're a father yourself, Doc. How would you handle it? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, I was about to put tenor down. Then that you would say I've got first clue, because and I'm not. And that's not me doubting your ability as a father. That's me saying that this is a situation which is. How so do you unusual. prepare for that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not hundred percent. And as we've established before, I have a my own parenting style, <laughs> and and I live in America, which, you know. There's a lot of differences in the way fathers relate to children across different cultures. Mm. So, well, it's all right. I know what I'm going to do with my kids when when I have them, <laughs> and that's to send them to the circus or freak shows that they'll turn out to be. It'll be good for them. Um, shall we move on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that was that was I... really interesting, though. I mean, I yeah. Does this conversation need to happen on screen? I I don't know about with the parents, but I feel like he'll have another moment with uh, Haruka that will, um, if not be, if not outright be what you're looking for, will like allude to it. Hmm. That'd be my feeling. Yeah. I, if I had to guess, maybe the impetus for that happening might be that Susasara disappears, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know—I don't mean literally disappears, but like you know, vanishes from the public eye, because mm-hmm. that could well happen. Yeah, but we'll find—we will find out as time progresses. Um, but I will say, just in response to what uh, Emily Gogo Tank Robot has just posted in chat here, if there is one thing I can definitely give credit to Zara and Sumai for, like we're only seven episodes in now. And this has been a very dense work. Very dense. But it's not... But I don't mean that as a criticism. I think that it's great. Mm-hmm. It's been so many different elements into it. 
you know, yeah. we've got let's let's just count off the top of our head here. We've got let's start with Kazuki. Uh, we've got him dealing with you know parental abandonment, uh, identity issues with both in terms of like where do I belong, if, you know, with my family. Uh, him dealing with suicide, as I discussed previously. Uh, like there's so much with him alone. Yeah. Then we've got Enter. You know, nascent sexuality. <laughs> so you much. know, jeal- jealousy and envy. Uh, we've got Toy, who has been forced to grow up in a way that no child should ever have to. He's a fucking murderer, but not, you know, because of, you know, him being malicious or, or evil, for lack of a better term. And then we've got Reo Mabu, who've been just, you know, qu- quietly doing their own thing in the background, sort of, but now going more and more to the forest, the victims in their own way of this little thing. This is... Fucking uh, nuts! Yeah, that last point especially, I think, is important to take away from mm-hmm. this episode and you could glean it from the last couple but it's especially like kind of um underscored here in episode seven that like so often the the kind of arm of the oppressive system like the people that are carrying out the will of the system are themselves deeply oppressed <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like um you'll oftentimes see like members of marginalized groups being part of oppression to the marginalized group which they belong mm-hmm. like i don't know just to pick a random example out of the air um youtuber blair white say um had is a uh, trans person who I think many trans people are on record saying she has said a, a ton, ton of, of transphobic, transphobic shit. And she's like the person that the wackos hold up and be like, look, see, we're not the only ones to say all this, you know, ridiculous, sh- mm-hmm. unscientific shit about uh, trans people mm-hmm. and their right to, to be who they want to be. But this is just an example, right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Reo and Mabu are like that. You know, they are... Yeah. Well, They're carrying out this oppression. Like, they're, like, fucking pushing uh, people into these, like, desires and getting them zombified. But, like, they themselves... They are murdering people. Yeah, they are. And, like... But Mabu is, like... Basically, I mean, I I wonder how different Mabu is from a Kappa zombie, because he's clearly been reanimated in some way. That's my assumption. He's he's so um, so different. It's almost like he's been recreated. Like he's this completely different person, even though he's the same person. Mm-hmm. Indeed, this now perfectly, uh, as it turns out, leads into my final talking point, which is so let's actually talk about Rayo and Mabu. So, I firstly want to just follow up with what you were saying there about oppressors actually, you know, being oppressed themselves. And just bear in mind how this episode has played out relative to what we've seen previously. In that Rayo, you know, he's the one who creeps up on Haruka and, like, literally kidnaps a 10-year-old child. He is unmistakably a villain. There is no way of, like, you know, slicing that or cutting it in any other way, as far as I'm concerned. He's a villain. But then we get the scene at the start, which is just him having breakfast with Mabu. And it's humanizing him, for lack of a better term. Humanizing this, I don't even, I mean, is he even human? Is he like an also like given human form? We'll figure that out later, I presume. But like, we, you know, now get to see humans. Well, now, 
No, not with those teeth, he ain't. Not, not with those teeth, he ain't. <laughs> well, they were also present for the destruction of the Kappa mm-hmm. world, so... Uh, let me hold back on that. <laughs> we'll yeah. I was going to say, if, if Marbu... If, if, sorry, if Rayo Aiden Osteri is definitely a chain chomp given human form with that set of teeth he's got. So, you get the, you know get these scenes that humanize them. And it's... It really takes you back here, like, you know, that we have this unrepentant villain who is, you know, seemingly the, you know, at least the, you know, recognizable face of the of the enemy in this show. I mean, we've got the whole, you know, darkness, hello, my, hello, darkness, my old friend, I've come to start you again, that's hanging out in, you know, the Kappa Bear Can, sorry, the, the Ossa Bear Can. Uh, but, you know, these two are the villains. And then we get this. Now, let me ask you a question here. And I think this ties things with what I've said before about the idea of, you know, uh, pro, you know, connecting with people who through, like, you know, light... Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. Through, like, objects and, like, you know, simple gestures. Now, the author who, you know, is fine-tuning Ma- uh, Mabu at the start calls him a doll. Yes. Calls him a doll. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing I want to ask you, like, I don't know, I, I don't know, like, what the pie chart is for how much of old Marbu is still here relative to, you know, the new one who is run by this mechanical heart. Yeah. But what I'm seeing here is I think that in their own way, Ray and Marbu are an extension of that idea that, you know, you can, connections need to be beyond the aesthetic, beyond the, uh, you know, the surface level. Because new Marbu are... Mabu, as we want to call him. <laughs> Mabu V2. <laughs> he's, he's a facsimile. He has a mechanical heart. And the thing, the reason I bring that up is I, the, like, you know, the heart, it can just simply refer, when people say it, it can just refer to the organ, you know. Pumps blood around the body. Fair enough. Uh, oh, or they can refer to it. Yeah. It's not. It's fucking now We're the worst. Doc, we've not yet paid the license fees to start covering. Yes, come on. But then again, owner of a lonely heart. Ah, it all ties back together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it can refer to the organ, or it can refer to a kind of a simonin, or you know, a, a fillerin for the soul, or the personality, or the emotions. So Marbu's lost all of that, and that's clear by his personality. He doesn't really ever like you know raise his voice or get angry or anything like that. Whereas Rayo has done that many times and so i think to myself like you know is this like is rayo like is this connection with marbu like something he needs to ultimately leave behind because it's poisoning him now because this marbu is not the same marbu as before i'd argue he's dead it's like lingering on to you know the love or affection for someone who has passed and i'm not saying you don't do that of course you do of course grieve for them mm-hmm maybe that's what's happening. He's still grieving for him. He's got, like, a doll of him or a, 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 what would otherwise be a picture or a memory of him that is no longer there. And so maybe Saren's my again, like, you know, its own way, again, looks like Marbu. Sort of sounds like Marbu. Sort of acts like Marbu, but he ain't. There's a distinction here between, you know, something that is meant to fulfill the role of a regular living and reciprocal being. Interesting. Um... So, our buddy Emily Rand had um, had kind of a different read, which I'll put to you and see what you think. Um, mm-hmm. 
the way that so I think her post is called I can't remember the exact title, but it's about reconstructing the past. And mm-hmm. her her kind of um, claim that she's making was um, it my view of it that Rio and Enta are pretty similar in that they are fixated on reconstructing their pasts. Kind ah, of, yes. Enta, Very valid point. Enta, you know, wants the, the golden duo. Uh, Reo wants Mabu and he to be together like before the Kappa Kingdom collapse when Mabu was, you know, much more energetic and was cooking and all of this. And they were raising the baby <laughs> in the manga. Maybe Sarah. Uh, and that her read on new Mabu was that like new Mabu is valid and Ryo just needs to like wake up and acknowledge that the person in front of her is Mabu. Mabu has just changed a lot and to kind of stop, it would be healthier if he stopped pining for what can no longer be same for Enta. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I see, I absolutely see what's coming from. I don't think our two viewpoints are necessarily incompatible because that idea of, you know, letting go of the past, like that could still apply. Maybe he ultimately does keep Mabu around, like Mabu 2.0, or discards him ultimately as, like, you know, a ghost, even. Mm. Could be that, could be seen that way potentially as well. It'll be interesting um, to see. But we'll find out. But yeah, I think that there is very clearly, like, a line here where even, you know, if whatever, whether you describe Emily's fear on my own, I'd probably go with Emily's fear because she's infinitely smart and I am on this subject. Yeah. But my point is, whatever way you look at it, I think that Sarah's is definitely asserting that there is no substitute for a genuine human soul or heart, as it were, mm. than the mechanical one that, you know, Mabu has is clearly insufficient. It doesn't make up for, you know, the loss of the, pre- of the old Mabu, the one that Rayo was clearly very fond of. And indeed, Rayo's dissatisfaction with Mabu, as presented now, has been present throughout much of the show. Yeah. And that's the key, that's the only difference that we see in terms of, like, you know, what's happened to him. It's not like he's lost an arm or an eye or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, he's been in the coma or anything. It's the heart that has been changed. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I just, I think, like, the, this is a good point the kind of mechanical imagery of Mabu's heart, the the way that that visual speaks to me, the, the way I read it, it is that there's a statement being made that whatever Mabu is now, something is lacking. You know, mm-hmm. not that it, it's different than what I put forward earlier, like what I attributed to Emily's post that, you know, Mabu V1 and Mabu V2 are valid. They've just changed. What the mechanical heart says to me is that whatever is keeping him going now, like you said, the show is indicating to us with that imagery that it is more facsimile than really substantially what Mabu is, was. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. I mean, I think I think that the I, I put I put a lot of weight in that in that heart and the way that they they depict it. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> um, one final question for you, actually, just as a thought. 
So Mabu was very clearly badly injured, you know, at the uh, at the end of that flashback where they, you know, captured Kepi, presumably, or you know, took over the kingdom when mm-hmm. the, the, the you know the darkness or whatever uh, tried to off him. I believe in a thing called love. That is actually probably the most appropriate song for the show that there mm. could be. Ah. Just listen to the rhythm of my heart. Yeah. Etc. I'm uh, someone. Someone go make the AMV. You, you get on that. I'll I'll pay you in Kit Kats, specifically one Kit Kat. But it'll be a good one. It'll be the salted caramel flavor. I was gonna say what flavor? What flavor? Uh, so, what are your top three question- Kit Kat flavors? Give us the Buzzfeed listicle. Go. Oh, I'm just gonna say like, well, I'm gonna start with the green tea one from Japan because that's actually legitimately great. Hmm, I've never had this. Okay. Re- Regular's pretty good, and then salted caramel. But I've just there you go. I think there are only there are only three flavors that I could buy here: regular, dark chocolate, and white chocolate. And I've only ever had regular. So. Well, America is a cursed land. Let's just put it that. We are. Um, but the the point I was no going to ask was this, right? Okay. What if I what if I told you again, crazy theory time here, that Ray, uh, sorry, that Mabu did not need to have his heart replaced with a mechanical one, and the artist just did that to like you know, mm, basically to control basic- them. Yeah, to control him because he was too, you know, flam—not flamboyant, I suppose, but like, you know, he he exercised too much of his own free will and had too much of a personality. Uh, Emily is correct. Peanut butter is also pretty good. Peanut butter, uh, anything candy. I'm, I mean, yeah. the peanut butter M M&M and M is just a tiny ecstasy in a candy shell. It is mm. glorious. And it won't get you arrested like X. Exactly. Else. There you go. Exactly. Mm. I can't. I'm unfortunately not eating Kit Kat smokes. I'm currently on a bit of a diet. So yeah, sorry. We, we should. Let's not talk. We won't talk about Kit Kats anymore. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> I don't want to push you into I'm gonna be, I'm, into sin. I'm going to become a. I'm going to become a Kit Kat Kappa zombie. Exactly. Kit yes. Kit Kappa. There you I go. just want to fuck the Kit Kat bar. That's all I wanted. <laughs> It'll be a good one. It'll be a really good one. And uh, when they try to like spray the zombie, he can just like break apart part of his Kit Kat face and be like, it doesn't hurt me. I've broken off a piece. I can break into fours and attack you. There's a not Nutella M&M now. Wow. I love Nutella. I love Nutella. You know, here's a thing that I gave my son the other day, and he was really into it. I put Nutella on a waffle, and he right, really, okay. really liked that. Okay, okay. I'm calm. I'm collected. Uh, I've said pretty much everything I want to say about the episode, actually. Like, it wasn't quite the heavy uh, history it was last time. Uh, but that's to be expected. You can't exactly follow up that with the, you know, the same thing again. Um, but we do certainly have more cards being laid out on the t- on the table. Our deck's been reshuffled. We're starting a deal again. Um, so yeah, another fine episode from Sarah's Mind. Do you want to rate it first, Doc, or shall I? Oh, I have one more, one more thing to add to our discussion. Um, it's not a question, but I was trying to think uh, as I want to do about like messages of the show um, holistically up to this point like what can we take away 
And I was thinking, this episode prompted me to write down that up to this point, we have seen a lot of people get, like, stuck. Like, existentially, they are put on hold from mm-hmm. growing, from moving their life in a positive direction, right? You, Kazuki has, you know, Haru's accident. He's stuck um, in that mire of guilt and self-loathing. Inta, stuck in the past, um, wanting the golden duo to be together again, longing for that. Same with Rayo, uh, pre-Mabu's death. Mm-hmm. And you could say it for the other characters, like that they're getting getting stuck or have gotten stuck. Kazu seems to be kind of the first person to help what I say, to, to become unstuck and move forward. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that like the show kind of depicts society depicts this overarching system kind of running and controlling kind of our day-to-day thoughts, what the objects of those thoughts are, what our desires are. Mm-hmm. It equips us to, it, it equips these characters to want to feel desire, but it doesn't really equip us to help with loss. Like whenever we experience a lack whenever we get stuck. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone dies, if someone uh, uh, abandons us, if someone changes to the point where what we had together can't be the same, relationship loss, um, grief. The society in Saras and Mai, the world... It only knows how to make you want things. Mm-hmm. But what happens when, like, you're not, like, wanting... Like, what you should be being trained for, equipped for, supported in, is, like, moving on. Is healing, coping, but... So this world in Sarah's and my only knows how to make you want. So like it twists your loss and makes like some sort of distorted object out of it. Something mm. for you to desire, which won't fulfill you ultimately. And maybe that's one of the big criticisms that like this world doesn't know how to help you when the solution to your problem isn't a desire, isn't some sort of object. Can't be satisfied mm-hmm. with a want. Like it needs to it needs to help you figure out how to live without also. In addition mm. to directing your wants. And that's that's what I like, yeah. This is mm. what I came away no, with thinking. No, that's fascinating. Um, it's true, because if you think about it, uh, bear in mind the OP, we've got, you know, 
arguably the four main characters, which is, of course, we have Kazuki, we have Ensa, we have Toy, but we also have Ryo. Mm-hmm. And each of them has the objects of their desire framed in the OP. Mm-hmm. So what if, you know, ultimately, the I, lesson of Saranzumai is that, you know, their desire needs to be moved on from in some way or another? Because, mm-hmm. like, in Kazuki's case now, he genuinely loves Haruka and wants to, you know, do right by him. Wants to, you know, care for him in a, in a proper brotherly way. So he's good. His hump has been passed. But Ensa clearly, like, you know, even before the events of today's episode, uh, he needed, you know, to leave the idea of Kazuki behind that he had. You know, that they could ever, you know, he could ever be that close to him. I mean, that's his fantasies, after all, that we get to see mm-hmm. here. Uh, for Toy, it's very obvious that his brother is a poisonous influence on his life, even despite the fact, you know, that he feels beholden to him because he did save his life. But, well, like I say, Disney princesses and all that, you're not beholden to that shit just because they do that for you. You know, you don't owe blood debt to someone because they save your life. You owe gratitude, certainly. But that does not mean... Gratitude and unwavering loyalty are very different things. And... It's clear from Wadman's in this episode that, you know, Toy was about to start having a relatively normal 13-year-old life. And nope, life of crime comes and ruins everything a fucking get. And as, of what course, for Re- yeah, as for Ryo and Mabu, as I've already said, maybe the idea is that ultimately Mabu, he's a ghost now. Not literally, of course. He ain't getting, you know, flushed away by a proton pack or anything like that. But, you know... He's haunting uh, Rayo, and maybe Rayo needs to move on. Because bear in mind what I said: <clears throat> you can stop his art anytime. That's what the uh, oh, officer says. Yeah. I, so that I, is I an feel... option. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's that's it, Karen. Oh, I was. I just. I feel so much like I feel a lot of pain for Rayo. Like I can't imagine. You know being presented with, like, that devil's bargain fresh in grief. You know, you mm. just find out what you've lost, and then you have, you know, the evil corporation come in and say, well, you can have it back. It might not price. be exactly, it might not be exactly what you, you know, like, remember. It might, but but you, at that point, you're human. You would take it, as opposed to, like, throwing yourself into the fucking maw of grief. Monkey's paw curls up just a yeah, little. Yeah, but and then you have to do that awful shit for mm. it. Like, Hell, I mean, he's probably pretty wrecked inside. Yeah. Hell, if you think about it that way, bear in mind what we saw with the golden dish of hope that was used by Enter in the first episode because he's a dimwit. <laughs> he asked for a year-long supply of cucumbers, <laughs> and he got giant cucumbers. Ah, like that decision more and more. Like, what? The, he really is a garbage boy, isn't he? Damn it. <laughs> It's the worst. It's, it's, I, like, man, I, I'll stop dunking on Enter just to point out that, okay, idiot, rampant idiocy on his part aside. Again, monkey's paw. Careful what you wish for here. Mm-hmm. Rayo did get Marbu back, but well, he got Marbu back. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. It's the fucking like Full Metal Alchemist, you know. Try to resurrect your mom, but it's not your mom, kid. <laughs> That's no, that ain't her. Yeah, yeah. So 
who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens, of course, with Real Marbu going forward. Uh, I fear a hor- horrible end for, like, and I don't say a horrible end is in they're going to die or anything. I fear just a, a grief stricken end for the two. Uh, yeah, oh, completely, completely. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. faded, unfortunately. Lucy, like, <clears throat> excuse me, Lucy and Chad brought up this detail that, like, I don't know, I hadn't put two and two together, but, like, you know, as you pointed out in your summary, they say you can stop his heart at any time. Mm. And he's holding the heart after every transformation sequence. Kalima! So, like, is Sorry. he thinking... <laughs> Give me your phone. Um, is he thinking, like, every time I could stop this now? Should I stop this now? Like, is that... Because holy fucking shit, man. Fuck. Hope he doesn't drop Fuck. it. Son, give me oh, a phone. Shit, that, nah, <laughs> shit, shit, no, nah. Oh, crap, I broke it. This is not like a Jeeves and Worcester sketch. <laughs> that would not happen. Surely that won't happen. Pray oh, to the man. heavens. Let, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Right, uh, well, that con- that concludes episode seven. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to connect, but I want to betray. It's to enter, you shit. Uh, happy birthday, I hope I hope your you know cake is made of flesh eating insects. <laughs> God, so mean. He's just a kid. He's just a kid. God damn it. My favorite presuming wrestling he call. Did, presuming, he, presuming he did it, in which case he won't. He, you know, I'll get him a cupcake instead of the one that's filled with you know insects. Anyway, uh, let's rate the episode. Uh, yeah. Over to you, Doc. Let me pass the ball to you one last time. Pass me the ball. Uh. You're welcome, Sophie. Um, I am... Oh, this is a tough one. Because... I got a lot of feelings from this, but, like... As an individual episode, I'm not sure it tops the last one. So... Nah. Nah. Definitely doesn't. I'm gonna say... This episode... I'm gonna give it... mm, Four and a half pointy shark teeth out of five. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. For me, like, I'm going to rate this episode lower than the last. Of course, Sam. But the thing is, like, episodes like this happen because of, you know, the narrative art that's required. Like, we've had a big, heavy hitter last time. Of course, we're going to have a little bit of a lighter episode where there's a bit more downtime to, as I say, reshuffle and replay the deck. Uh, but it still was funny. You know, mm-hmm. it still handled its tone well. Uh, we got more pertinent information here. Some iconic um, moments. The montage yeah. and the Sarah and Kepi, like, yeah. glamour shots. Yeah. <laughs> newest, newest hottest ship setting sail That's there. Right. On the yeah. cover of whatever magazine is important mm-hmm. for the cap world. Indeed. So, uh, the capitalist. Well, also- Ugh, that was that was an expensive joke. It cost me a lot. Yeah, take my phone. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, anyway, so I am ultimately going to rate this episode uh, four out of five. Kepi is a head crab. Oh Jesus! I'd forgotten no, about it. He was a fucking head crab. <laughs> uh, still great, you know. Still great episode of a great show. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. A little bit iffy on like you know the whole parent thing, as I say. But that's a thing that we're going to have to see play out across the entire show's run. 
Um, hopefully they will do something with it rather than leaving it dangling as it currently is. But, well, tune in next time, folks, oh. to find out. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, uh, to everyone who's joined us this uh, fine evening, thank you all very much for coming along. Um, it's always good to have people joining in chat and getting their thoughts in and educating us, you know. I mean, that's part of why we do this, because I do want to, you know, get some opinions from people on the, what the show is about uh, that I may otherwise miss or not understood. So certainly keep them all coming. Uh, if you've enjoyed this lovely little stream slash podcast of ours, don't forget to uh, you know drop us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud uh, or subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever, you know, wherever medium or channel you find this from. If you can just, you know, give us the old thumbs up there, it would be hugely appreciated as it does help our discoverability. Our next stream, uh, I need to confirm this with Doc firstly, uh, which mm. I can probably do right now, uh, is I believe going to be this Friday. Let me give a look at the old guy for some reason. When you were talking about this earlier, <laughs> I either didn't look at my calendar or I did look at it and just forgot. Well, uh, I think we're a go, my friend. I think Smashing. we can, we so can do it. We'll be back at the usual streaming time of 1800 BST. We did it a little later stage use of Rage with Starcard. Uh, however, that's not the big news I want to give you about this stream that's coming this Friday. Oh. So we've mentioned her a lot of times uh, on this on this stream. <laughs> and we've had her before. Hush tones. <laughs> the whisper. We've, we, we've had her before on Warrior Death Show, you know, yep. for uh, Frank's uh, poor her. Mm -hmm. Came back twice for that. Mother Grace. How she came back after any of that, I don't even know. And she, of course, rejoined us for uh, The Promised Neverland. Neverland. Uh, but now we're going to bring it back to talk about a show that she mm -hmm. is intimately familiar with and is very passionate about. I am, of course, speaking about Agent 4 of Emily Rand for Me in Full Bloom. Mm -hmm. She will be joining us this coming Friday to talk to us about Sarans and I, Episode 8. Uh, and I cannot wait to hear her thoughts in person. It's always a delight yeah. having her on the cast. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean... One of my big go-to resources for, like, after I watch the episode, mm -hmm. like, I go and kind of read her reflection about it. And it always, mm. like, informs my, uh, I'm always, like, whether or not I kind of um, agree with every viewpoint, she always raises these things. I'm like, oh, like, I should, like, respond to mm. this or I should have an opinion on this because, like, I haven't thought about things in this way so i i love the way that she thinks about anime and uh yeah. in general and especially this show because she's a big ikuni fan mm -hmm. absolutely so uh, yeah we will be back this week friday uh we're gonna have emily join us we're Ooh. gonna talk about science of my episode eight in the meantime everyone have a cracking evening a cracking rest of the week hopefully you know the weather's not too bad and you're getting out a little bit now again to summertime and as always as we're often very fond of saying on this little show of ours Embrace show for everyone to the ends of the universe and a very good night. That was the love gun. You've been shot by the love gun. Mwah. Right through the heart and you're too blade. You get love a bad name though. Cut it! Cut it! Good night! Cut it! Cut it.